0: morning we are the Walter family my name is Jay my wife Megan and our two daughters Harper and Hollis and we're here to read and write uh, and light the advent wreath for today so it says in days when God's people longed for peace Isaiah declared comfort O comfort my people says your God speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term that her penalty is paid and she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins Isaiah chapter 40 verse 1. We who gather today also seek comfort and peace, yet we are unsatisfied with the ideas that tell us to keep quiet and go with the flow. We long for real peace, true peace, just peace. We wait as people who yearn for peace that bears the fruit of the community, equality, and flourishing for all. We light these candles as signs. Of God's gift of the unknown and the gift of the wilderness. May the light call us to live the good news as we wait and watch for the day when all people can gather together to worship and glorify God. Amen. There are some traditions in our church life that have such meaning. No matter the songs we sing, no matter all the words that we say, no matter what else is done, there are some traditions that are just incredibly meaningful and lighting the candles of Advent are among them. There is something about lighting a candle into Advent when you know you're on the countdown for Christmas. Because every time we light another candle, we know that we are closer, just a step closer to lighting that Christ candle Christmas Eve for Christmas Day. When you light a candle, it can take you from a moment of wilderness and center you right back home. One of my very, very favorite trips that I took growing up as a child with my parents, it was to a touristy town in Tennessee. And I cannot tell you anything about that trip except for one thing. It was my favorite trip in the entire world at that moment because I got to dip my own candle. It was amazing. You got to walk in, and along the walls of the store were all these different shapes of white wax. They were already shaped. And you got to pick out whatever you wanted, and I got to pick it out, and then you would go over to all these barrels of hot liquid wax. It was awesome. And there were all these different colors. And so you got to take your little wax, and you got to dip it in whatever color you wanted It was amazing. To date, I have been searching for another place that would let me dip my candle, and no one lets me do it. It's something about hot wax and being burned or hurt or maimed. I don't understand. Something about liability and insurance. I have asked everywhere, and everybody's like, Yeah, no, we don't do that anymore. You can't dip your own candles. So you can imagine how excited I was when I heard about a new store in town that let you pour your own candle. I was like, I'm going there immediately. I was thrilled. I walked in, and I'm like, I'm ready. Where's the wax? I'm going to pour my own candle. Like, oh, no, 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 you can't do that here. (laughs) It's a beautiful store, but you don't really Pour the wax. Instead, what they mean is you can make your own candle fragrance. They have over 85 different smells, and you get to walk around all the smells and you smell everything, and then you pick your favorite few, and then you sit with all the different oils, and you can drip and make your own personalized custom fragrance. And then you pour it into the wax and you stir it up. It's pretty fun. So I want you to go to that store in your mind with me. Imagine walking in and seeing all of these smells, all 85 of them. What types of smells do you think that they offered at that candle store? What do you think the smells were? Lavender everybody said lavender. That's funny. Watermelon. Watermelon. Cotton candy. Cinnamon. Christmas tree. They had like five different versions of Christmas tree. Pumpkin. Gingerbread. Kids. Did you say children smell? Hot cocoa. Chicken pot pie. That's awesome. Gingerbread house. That was actually in there. Yeah. There were other. Sm- Fresh, air. Fresh, air. Fresh air. That's a great one. There were actually smells like cut grass. Dad's din. It did not smell good. <laughs> Old book. Old book was one of them. Yeah. All right. If you were going in there to make your own candle, what would you pick? What smell do you want? Bacon. Yeah. All right. Gasoline. That is different. All right, I'm gonna take it a step further. I'm going to name someone in the Bible, and I want you to tell me what you think their candle would smell like, okay? Noah. Yep, you got it. Wet dog. <laughs> I, yeah, you're on the right track. That's what I think. I think Noah would have like some rain in there and some animals maybe. Yeah. All right. Here's another one. David. King David. What? Would, I know it's harder. Jewels. Jewels. Oh, a smell of diamonds. That's a good smell. Sheep. Oh, that's a good one. Good one. Good. All right. I'm going to give you another one. Are you ready? Are you ready for my next one? Martha, do you remember Martha in scripture? Soap, candle, lemon, somebody said lemon. I was thinking lotion, you know, I think of Martha like really busy all the time. So her hands need lots of lotion. I don't know. That's just what I think of. I can be totally wrong. Yeah. Okay. What about Jesus? There you go. I handed that to you, didn't I? Christmas. Oh, that's a good one. Christmas. Okay, one more, just one more. You ready? John the Baptist. Peanut butter. Peanut butter. Peanut butter. Peanut butter. Oh, Did somebody say appetizer? No. <laughs> appetizer. It's, it's, I really cannot hear very well because I really thought someone said child and appetizer. Right. <laughs> appetizer. Yeah. Y'all are on the right track. Exactly. Scripture tells us exactly what John the Baptist would pick as his candle. And it's captured in Mark. Let's see if you can listen and find the smells in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, see I am sending my messenger ahead of you. Who will prepare your way? The voice of the one crying out in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. So John the Baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And the whole Judean region and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. John's candle would smell like honey with a dash of locusts and a hint of leather. Leather is one of the smells you can pick, by the way. John the Baptist is the man of Advent. John the Baptist appears multiple times. We've already mentioned him last week. He is here again in front of us in our church's reading. And next week in our church's assigned reading, he makes yet another appearance. Three weeks in a row does John the Baptist show up for Advent. And so we probably need to pay attention to him. John the Baptist is weird, he's strange. He runs around town crying out, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And every time we hear it, we're like, Yeah, that's typical, John. It is not typical. When we would have someone show up right now in camel hair, eating weird things, and smelling the way that he would from the wilderness, we would not be happy. But somehow in our modern context, we're like, Oh, that's first century. It's fine. It would not have been fine in the first century either. No one would want to sit with him in the synagogue any more than you would want to sit next to him in a pew. Because there's something about him that makes us uncomfortable. In fact, my aunt would say he was carrying on. I have absolutely no idea what carrying on means, but I know that John is doing it. And let's be honest. Hummingbirds do it, salmon do it, butterflies do it, and turtles do it, and John does it. You know what they do? They carry on, and then they find their way back home again. Did you know that all of the animals I mentioned, they go out into the world immediately, and they do all these weird, crazy things, and they meet all these weird and crazy people only to return home again? There is a moth that travels hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles from the one place it is born only to return to the exact spot on the rock where it's born. There are animals that have a homing mechanism in them. There's something that pulls them back to a certain spot. And I think that's John's whole point. When we first hear about John, we hear about him with his parents. His parents were with him, Elizabeth and Zachariah. But when we really learn about John, he's left home. He's now in the wilderness. And I think that his whole point is to try to help prepare people to go home again. And so John goes out and he says, Prepare the way of the Lord and make those paths straight. I wish that there was a straight path to everything. I wish that there was a straight path for every student who wants to go to college, a straight path there. I wish that there was a straight path for everybody who wants to work. There's a straight path on how to do it and get to where you want. I wish there was a straight path for absolute, complete wholeness and happiness and the perfect treatment for everything. But somehow along the way, I must be a really bad hiker because I have found there's absolutely nothing in life that is clear or straight. Every single path I have ever been on is crooked and windy, and there's a bunch of stuff in the way. But again, that just might be me because I'm a bad hiker. I'm a bad camper. (laughs) I want to live outside. I want to be that person that can do it, but I'm just not. I have friends, though, that are. I have dear friends. And this is a camping family. It's a hiking family. They own a farm, and they pretty much just live outside. And so that's just natural for them. I want it to be for me, but it's just not. And the other day, my good friend called me and she's like, Marion, I have to tell you about something. She said, My husband was coming home with the boys in the truck and they were going through Tennessee and one of the boys looked out the window and saw this beautiful waterfall. And you know what my husband did? He pulled over the side of the road, parked the truck, and they went walking to find the waterfall. And he said, And they found it and they said it was gorgeous. But it took him three hours to find the truck again. (laughs) She said, doesn't that sound wonderful? And I was like, no, that sounds horrible. She was like, no, it was such a great adventure. I really wish I had been there. If you have ever been lost and you don't know where to go, you know that the path is never straight, especially when you're trying to go home. There was a kindergarten class. And in this kindergarten class, it was kind of new, new in the school year. There was a little kindergartner, and that little kindergartner was just crying. And the teacher got worried, so the teacher went over to the kindergartner and said, Are you homesick? And that little boy looked at her and said, No, I'm not homesick. I'm hearsick. (laughs) I think, people of faith, we get hearsick. We get homesick. We think that we have gone off the path, and we have forgotten how to go back home again. There's a great story about an elephant and this is a circus elephant and this elephant everybody would go from everywhere to see all the tricks that the elephant could do and the elephant pretty much lived its whole little life in this little cage and the elephant would do amazing things but along the way the elephant started to get mad. The elephant started to get mean. The elephant didn't like being in a cage. And the elephant just started to show tendencies to be dangerous and a little violent. And there was one particular day when there was this huge crowd. And they had come to see all the magnificent things the elephant could do. And the elephant would not have it and became very violent. And out of nowhere, a man popped out of the crowd. And he went over to the owner and he said, let me in the cage. And the owner said, oh, no, 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 we don't do that anymore. like, no, let me in. I need to go help the elephant. he said, no, I can't. You might get burned. You might get hurt. You might get maimed. This liability, there's insurance these days. We can't do it. He's like, I'll sign whatever you want me to sign. Just let me in. So he did. He signed all the liability waivers, and they were going to let him in. He took off his coat, and he took off his hat, and he gave it to the owner. So the man opened the cage of the elephant, and immediately he put his back to the cage. And there. Very slowly, he began to walk around the cage until it became right in front of the elephant. And then he started to whisper something. And the crowd leaned in trying to hear him, but it was not recognizable. And the man kept speaking. And then the man began to smile a little. And the elephant began to put his head up and down. The man spoke a little bit more and got a little closer and the elephant started to sway his head left to right and left to right. And then the man began to really smile and got confident and walked right up to the elephant and gently began to rub the trunk. And all of a sudden the elephant put his trunk around his waist and they walked together around the circle multiple times and everybody began to cheer and as the man left the cage he went back to the owner picked up his hat and picked up his coat and he said your elephant is homesick your elephant is from india and no one knows his language find someone who knows his language and he will be fine Sometimes as people of faith, I think that we are hearsick, homesick, and we have forgotten the language. It's like everyone around us is speaking foreign words, and we have forgotten what our home is. We have forgotten the language of heaven and earth are full of your glory. Make it on earth as it is in heaven. We have forgotten that deep inside of us, we have a homing mechanism that continues to call us and draw us right back to that very clear path to God that lives within us, which is the whole language of the season, Emmanuel, God is with us. We have forgotten along our paths of adventures and wilderness and the goings-on, we have forgotten that there is a clear path that lives within us. Because sometimes as we're in this wilderness, we get nervous because we're meeting people and we're smelling smells that are weird and that we don't like. And we're uncomfortable with some of the ideas and thoughts and people around us. And we're not sure what to do with them. We have forgotten that it's in the wilderness where we can find a sense of identity in our faith and we can use our faith to find amazing solutions. There was this amazing study that just recently came out, and the study was done actually with people in their 20s. But I'm going to tell you, I think it has a lot broader context. I think it can be for anyone. And the study showed that because of everything that we have all gone through, we have a sense of resiliency about us. And it showed that now we are very much okay with talking about mental health and that we have a very high sense of emotional Um, intelligence. And it showed that people, especially in their 20s, have an incredible moral compass. And these are good things that have come through. But the shadowy part, the other part of the study, says that we all have begun to use our sense of boundaries as divisions and our sense of advocacy as judgment And our sense of self-protection as defensiveness. And our sense of self-care as somehow a reason to disengage. And so to put this in theological terms, to put this in faith terms, we have forgotten the gifts of being in the wilderness. It is good to have a new sense of identity, but not at the wrong cost. It's in the wilderness that we are called to go so that we can gather the smells and gather the memory and gather the traditions. It's in the wilderness where we find the pockets of honey. Y'all didn't ask me what my favorite smell was that day at the candle store. Y'all want to know? Any guesses? Candy's a good one because I love candy. Creole's a good one, too. Dirt. Dirt. Yeah. I picked up that dome of dirt, and I smelled dirt, and I was like, oh, this is amazing. As soon as I smelled the dirt, I put myself right back on a swinging bridge. I remembered everything I've ever planted, and I remembered my very favorite dirt camp growing up. Dirt is what I loved. And I did put a little dash of lavender, whoever said that, and a dash of lemon. There was something about the dirt that held memory for me. And I am here to tell you, I am the only person in the history of that business that ever used dirt in her candle. I am proud of that. And as soon as I got my candle back with my personalized dirt smell, I smelled it and I went, oh, I should have put more dirt in there. (laughs) Dirt holds memory and memory holds wilderness and wilderness holds life. Because you know what? Jesus was born in the dirt. And so, yeah. Is that a lot to put in a candle? You bet it is. Did I know and think about all that when I was making my candle? No. But I'm using a candle as a symbol of how to get to the manger. I'm using a candle as a symbol of the gift of the wilderness. Amen. Pray with me. Gracious and holy Lord, we are so thankful for the many things that you have done for us. And so we give you such thanks for everything, for helping us to return home when we think it's impossible. So help us to catch glimpses of you along the way that give us encouragement. Lord, we know that there are times that we have missed you. There are times that we have forgotten to look for others along the way, and so we ask that you forgive us and show us ways this week where we can try again. Help us to be on a better path to notice the people around us in the greatest of needs. Speak tenderly to us so that we may be nudged, we may be urged, to use things like angel trees and home-cooked meals to be a source of kindness for someone. This day, Lord, we know that there is grief. We know there is sorrow. And so be in the midst of all of it. We know there's need of healing too. And so be in that, be in every piece of a medical team that treats us and that cares for us. And be with the many families who are separated for whatever reason. And use the embrace of a friend to close that distance. Be too with our Jewish friends as they light candles of their own. Be with this church. Be with our government. Be with the leaders. Be with authorities in all places of this world. So that peace will overcome violence. And everyone can make it home to you again safely. Amen.